Okay, so John told me I was going to start tonight, and uh, so um, if you will open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4, full disclosure, and I will be upset if it makes a difference in your attendance this week, Robert is preaching, um, I'm not going anywhere, I'm going to be on the front row taking notes. But uh, we have a very talented bench in this church, and it is a shame not to use them. So Robert will be talking about rest from Hebrews chapter 4. Um, so let me kind of give you an overview of where I think he's going. Um, you guys give me quite a treat, because even if I'm not preaching, because I'm going to be in here, I have to prepare a sermon. So I have uh, about eight pages of notes from Hebrews chapter four, and I'm not even going to preach Sunday. <laughs> so we are talking this week, a carryover from last week, where we introduced the idea of rest. Um, I've circled the times that the word rest is used at the end of chapter three and the beginning of chapter four. And if you were to look at your Bible and just circle how many times he uses that word, um, chapter 3, uh, verse 11, chapter uh, 4, verse 1, verse 3, verse 4, uh, verse 5, verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11, that word rest is used over and over again. Now, uh, my mind started playing games. There are uh, rests. There's rest stops and rest stations and rest breaks. And in music, there's a half rest and a quarter rest and a full rest. And there's restaurants. And <laughs> I don't know about you. But I think golf tournaments are made for Sunday afternoon rest. <laughs> you turn the golf tournament on, you mute the sound, you get an Afghan, and you curl up on the sofa. <laughs> and it's some of the best rest anybody has ever produced. I don't know why it's better than the bed, but it's just good rest. That's a way to look at rest. Well, in the Bible, there's about five or six kinds of rest that are discussed. There's certainly physical rest. Um, when when the, the Bible uh, entreats us to have physical rest, uh, work-life balance, uh, uh, the, that, that the word recreation and the word recreation are spelled the same on purpose. <laughs> There, there's a, a sense of, of recreation that comes with rest. When, when your Bermuda grass goes dormant every year, it is resting to come back in force when uh, the, the sun comes up and the green returns. There's a, there's a connection with physical rest. But in the Bible, there's also emotional rest. And there is... Uh, social rest. Uh, one of the greatest gifts that God has given you is the ability to be alone. 
to to be silent and and not to be social uh, while he speaks to you. And so there's there's social rest. There's uh, emotional rest where where he he tells us that that we can cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us. Um, there's uh, spiritual rest. Uh, the the whole concept of fasting is spiritual rest. It's it's calling us to a different rhythm. The two kinds of rest that we are particularly looking at in this text are something called Sabbath rest and something called eternal rest. Those are both the the concepts that are are highlighted here. Yes, Jesus says, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. But the kind of rest that the writer of Hebrews is talking about is Sabbath rest and eternal rest. So Sunday, I think Robert will probably define all the kinds of rest. I don't have time to do it in here. So I want to camp on those two ideas. Sabbath rest comes from Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3, where God created the heavens and the earth. He created the light and the darkness, the heavens, the waters. And on the seventh day, he rested. So there's a, an idea that the work is finished. Uh, that there is rest. So the creation rest, stay with me, gives way to what the sojourners in the Old Testament called the promised land. Because the creation rest was God's rest. The promised land was described as a place flowing with milk and honey where the people of Hebrews who had no place to call their own would eventually go into the land of Palestine and find rest. So the promised land was the Old Testament uh, extension of creation rest. What was the problem with the promised land? Your people in it. People wouldn't behave. People wouldn't acknowledge God. The people wouldn't obey God. The people disrespected, disregarded God. So the place of rest became a place of war. And God had promised them, you're going to conquer everybody in it. You're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. And so the rest was disturbed in the creation story by the fall. And the rest in the promised land was disturbed by disobedience. So if the promised land replaced creation rest, what would replace the promised land? The Sabbath. God continued to be faithful to his promises. He continued to be the God of people who wouldn't even pay attention to him. And he said, I'm going to set up something different so that you'll remember me. And all the way back on Sinai, the fourth commandment says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. 
They didn't even know what a Sabbath was. <laughs> the Sabbath was explained in Leviticus. The Sabbath was explained in the in the later times when God would say, just like I worked for six days and rested on the seventh, I want you to work for six days and rest on the seventh. And on that day of rest, I want you to remember me. I want you to give sacrifice to me. I want you to worship me. I want you to, wait for it, rest in me. And so the promised land was an extension of the rest of creation. The Sabbath was an extension of the rest of the promised land. And ultimately in the New Testament, Jesus became the rest that would extend the Sabbath. So he taught us how to rest. He taught us how to rest spiritually. And he said, your bodies need the Sabbath. The crops need a Sabbath. He, he, that's why farmers even today leave a field to lie fallow for a year. There's a, a Sabbath for uh, nature. There's a, a Sabbath, a, a hibernation season for some animals. The, the, the idea of rest is throughout God's creation. And here he's telling us, that Sabbath rest is a time every week where I call you away to rest in me, to be reminded that I am sufficient, that uh, you cannot labor for your salvation. I did that work. So in the Sabbath, you rest even in that promise. Question. Why does the Jew recognize saturday as their sabbath that they don't do any work and then the, the christians or the believers on sunday is there uh did everybody hear skip's question we've got new microphones and hopefully you heard it um the jewish folks practice a sabbath on saturday because that was their sabbath that was ordained all the way back jesus resurrected on a sunday and so that became our first day of the week. That became our day of worship. So that that changed with the resurrection. Um, Orthodox Jews uh, would still have a Sabbath. And that was what prompted Jesus to say the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And he was basically saying, you work way too hard at having a Sabbath. <laughs> You created way too many rules about a Sabbath. I meant for it to be rest. You've turned it into work. Man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. Rest. So the Sabbath rest, Robert will explore a little bit. But the other kind of rest that is all through this passage is eternal rest. It's, it's a security in our relationship with God that in Baptist world we call salvation. You are saved through professing your faith in Christ, asking for forgiveness of sin, and receiving the forgiveness that he gives 
that was made possible by the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. And so in this passage of scripture, um, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1, starts with our favorite word, therefore, and as we've said before, there is a principle that it refers to, and an application will follow. So when we say, therefore, what is it therefore? We look for the principle that was suggested, and then we wait for the application that is described. So in this case, the principle is that hard parts of chapter three have made it impossible for some to enter rest. Now, he specifically referred to the Old Testament when in the wilderness, the hard hearts of the people, I want to do it my way. We want to create a calf because we can't see God. He's not fast enough. He's not present enough. We're going to create our own form of God. God described that as disobedience. He said, if you're going to chase after other things, you must not want me. You can't enter the rest. And that is why they wandered around for 40 years waiting for a whole generation to die off. Does that mean that none of those Jews will go to heaven above my pay grade? That is up to God to decide. There are many, many verses that talk about the specialness of the people of Israel. And my inclination is to believe that I don't know enough to be able to say this is the way God's going to deal with the Jews. Uh, they are his chosen people, his favored people. I don't know what happens to the people who died in the wilderness. All I know is that God says here in Hebrews, they didn't enter his rest. Now, whether they will one day, I don't know. Did I just confuse a whole bunch of people? Yes. <laughs> God is God and I am not. <clears throat> and it is my distinct feeling that God wants us to be with him for eternity. And the question is not why he only uh, does this or only lets that. It's why does he let anybody? And what he has done through Christ is to give us an opportunity to enter eternal rest or heaven. And so here he says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands. So he says that the, the window is not closed. The, the opportunity to place faith in Christ and be guaranteed rest, the eternal rest, the, the place in heaven, that is, the window is still open for that. He says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, yes, this is the first century, but in the 21st century, we don't have any indication that that window is closed. If that window is closed, this earth is no more. And this earth still is, and we still think, and we still pray, and we still worship. Therefore, that window is still open. And so he says, verse 3, for we who have believed enter that rest. What's the ticket? 
What does someone do to enter eternal rest? Believe. For it is by faith we are saved. Uh, it is through grace, by faith, that we are saved. And so the, the belief that we talked about, that, that the people of Israel perished because they just wouldn't believe. And so we trust in the plan that God has unfolded, and we enter eternal rest. Um, verse 9, he speaks of the Sabbath rest. That's so. So this Sunday, my thought is that Robert will handle eternal rest first and Sabbath rest second, and then he will conclude with the idea of how do we guard that rest? How do we make sure that we don't try to create our own golden calf? And he ends with, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to divide the spirit, the joints, the marrow, to discern, discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. How do we guard our rest? We stay in the word. And so the preview of Sunday is that we will be talking about rest, physical rest, spiritual rest, emotional rest, social rest, Sabbath rest, eternal rest. And then we guard our rest by staying in the Word. So I look forward to uh, sitting there and taking notes. Um, I'm, I'm excited that we, uh, we get to grab onto this idea. We hear work-life balance all the time. And isn't it interesting that thousands of years ago, God said, you shall honor the Sabbath. You should take a rest once a week. It's interesting, the conversation I had with the couple in my office 30 minutes ago, they said, we've been out of church for a long time. And now we're starting to get back into it. We look forward to Sundays because it gives us something to carry us into the week. She just described Sabbath rest. And so I can't wait for Sunday. Uh, it's real life. And uh, can't wait to hear Robert's uh, take on that.